the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Tim DeMoss Show podcast. You can hear the program each weekday afternoon from 4 till 5 on AM 560 WFIL and WFIL.com. AM 560 WFIL.com and on the app. You're listening to the Tim DeMoss Show. Thanks for tuning in. Got clear skies awaiting us this evening with a low of 66, plenty of sun tomorrow, high 86, and Sunday, lots of sun, high 88. Phillies at Cleveland tonight at 710. Ranger Suarez on the mound for the Phils. The Women's World Cup continues. The U.S. playing Vietnam tonight at 9. And the Hall of Fame having its induction ceremony this weekend. Scott Rowland, former Philly, who went on to win a World Series with the Cardinals, is going to be inducted. Was on a Zoom call with him last week talking about his time in Philadelphia. You know, the Phillies, I was so raw and so young there, and it was such a great landing spot for me, development-wise, being in Philadelphia, the the media in Philadelphia, the the just the numbers, the masses, and, and you get to learn real quick that if you're, you know, if you're not being upfront, you're not being honest, and, you know, you're not telling the truth of what's going on, it's going to be a rough road for you. You know, immediately you get a just a sharp lesson, and hey, let's just be genuine out here. And we're going to take all of our effort out on the field every day or somebody's going to let you know about it. And, you know, that's a that's a great start for me without question. And, you know, we were a young team and we took our lumps team wise win loss records. And Scott Rowland played with the Phillies for the first part of his career, moved on to St. Louis, also the Reds. And I think he had time in Toronto briefly. Also being inducted this weekend, Fred McGriff, crime dog, as he's known, 493 career home runs. An all-star five times, won a World Series with the Braves in 1995. And uh, really an exemplary uh, player in terms of his uh, consistency. 30-plus home runs, 10 seasons in his career, seven in a row at one point. Reminds me of my childhood hero, Mike Schmidt, who had a bunch of seasons with 35 to 40 home runs. He had the 45 and a 48, but... Generally, Schmidt was known for being a power hitter and a great one, led the league in home runs many times with home runs in the 30s. And it's just a kind of a, a storyline that's been going on for a long time now. McGriff not getting in the Hall of Fame before in terms of the baseball writers. That's the normal way a player would get in. You have to be on 75% of the 500 or so uh, writers in America who get to vote on the Hall of Fame. And McGriff never got more than 40%. So he fell off the ballot a few years ago after his time had expired. But there are other ways a player can get in the Hall of Fame eventually, including the Contemporary Baseball Era Players Committee, which has 16 members, and they voted him in unanimously. As uh, Scott Rowland, I believe, said on his Zoom call last week, not to take anything away from the writers, but the players know who Hall of Famers are. When you, you know, you know when you're playing against one. And the Griff, to me, despite being just shy of what's known as the automatic Entry into Hall of Fame, if you get 500 home runs, generally you're going to make it. Just like if you're a pitcher and you win 300 games, you're going to be in the Hall of Fame. McGriff really had that level of excellence across the board, and he was on a Zoom call last Friday as well, talking about that consistency he was able to accomplish over his career. 
Well, back in the day, if you hit 30 home runs, uh, you were, you know, it was awesome. It, it was, it was, that was, that was pretty much the number 30, 35, 40 homers. That was the number. And so I started, you know, you got to keep yourself because hitting is so tough. And so to keep yourself going, no matter what team you're playing on or what's the situation for teams losing or struggling, you set goals for yourself. And so I started setting goals. I hit five home runs a month for 60 for six months. I was going to get 30, 17 RBIs for six months. I was going to get a hundred. And then you're trying three out of 10 times, you know, hit, getting three hits out of 10 at bats. That's a little bit tougher, but you, you're going to hit 300. And so little stuff like that kept you going. And Mark, that's why I try to tell people I never played on a losing team until playing with the Rays in Tampa. And people are like, oh, Fred, that had to be, that had to be rough. But I tell people, Every night when I stepped on that field, when that game first started, playing for the Rays, I had as good a chance as that other team. If our pitchers pitched well, we had a chance to win the ball game. Now, during the course of the game, things would happen, errors, da-da-da, and then we would end up losing, and we'd lose, a, you know, 90 of 100 games. When that game first started, you had a chance. But as long as you set goals that kept you that kept you in there, even though the team is losing, you let, you still got, okay, you know, keep it going. That was the magical number. Now yeah. – now they, now they got 30 home runs at the All-Star break. Hey, I don't want the balls are juiced or what? What's going on? Fred McGriff entering the Hall of Fame this weekend with former Philly Scott Rowland. Fun fact on McGriff, just underscoring his consistency. Uh, I asked a trivia question for a number of years until it became not true. But for many years, I was able to ask the following question. Who's the last player in the American League to lead the league in home runs with less than 40? The answer was Fred McGriff. He had a 36 in 1989 when he played for the Toronto Blue Jays. Then I would ask, who's the last player in the National League to lead the league in home runs with less than 40? It turns out the answer was also Fred McGriff. He had 35 home runs when he played for San Diego in 1992. So he led the league with Toronto in 1989, switched leagues, led the National League, with San Diego in 1992. Then you remember the bloated home run numbers came and without naming names, the numbers got astronomical. Folks were hitting 50, 60, 70 home runs. But for about 10 or 15 years, McGriff was the answer to who's the last player to lead the league with less than 40 home runs in both leagues. He was the answer, which again, to me, speaks to his consistency. There you go. Speaking of consistency, another person that comes to mind for me is Dr. Michael Youssef from Leading the Way. It's WFIL's ministry of the month for July, especially when it comes to preaching God's word boldly and without compromise. His newest book is called Hope for This Present Crisis, The Seven-Step Path to Restoring a World Gone Mad. We're giving it away all month long. You can enter to win at WFIL.com. Nice and easy there. Uh, But you can also certainly purchase it if you like. And we're having a weekly prize that we're handing out two, including three 31-day devotionals in addition to the daily prize. This week, I've been just uh, given an excerpt or two from the book so you can get a better understanding of the prize you could win. And uh, it's a simple book. There's seven chapters, all begin with the letter R, Remember the Truth, Restore the Soul, Revitalize the Family, Reestablish the Classroom, Respect Our Freedoms, Reform Our Society, and Revive the Church. I want to read a brief part here from the Revitalize the Family chapter and then share with you who's going to be joining us on the program today. Uh, this is just a little section called An Inheritance from the Lord. Christians often quote the words of Psalm 127.3, which says, 
Children are a heritage from the Lord, offspring a reward from Him. That is a blessed truth, and every believing parent knows it. But when we quote this verse out of context, we miss out on a deeper truth embedded in these words. The author of Psalm 127 is King Solomon, the son of David. Before Solomon could say that children are an inheritance from the Lord, he first had to lay the foundation for that statement, which he does in verses 1 and 2. Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. In vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those he loves. Before we can say that children are an inheritance from the Lord, the Lord must build the house. It is the Lord who must build our families. Psalm 127 is beautifully expressive Hebrew poetry, but beneath the psalm's graceful words, it's an indictment, a rebuke to the lifestyle of many 21st century Christians. This psalm condemns our divided allegiances and the lack of wholeness and integration in our lives. Solomon is saying, if you leave God out of your life and out of your family's life, it's useless to work hard to provide for the material needs of your family. You might work 80 hours a week so you can afford a huge mansion, the best food, the finest clothing, and the most prestigious schools for your children, and it would all be for nothing if you failed to make God the foundation of your family life. If you leave God out of your family's life, all the material blessings you provide will ruin your children's lives. Instead of being grateful to God for his provision, they'll grow up feeling arrogant and entitled. If God is not the center of your family life, the inheritance you leave your children will be a curse, not a blessing. In vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat, Solomon says, for he grants sleep to those he loves. The Old Testament was not written for a Western mindset, but an Eastern mindset. The Western mindset divides life into distinct categories. Westerners place family in a different category from work. We maintain separate categories in every aspect of our lives. We separate the spiritual from the temporal, the home from the workplace, Sunday from other weekdays, and we behave like different people when we're in these other environments. People who meet us only in the workplace might not recognize us if they saw us at home. People who meet us only at church might not recognize the way we behave at the office. People who know our weekday selves might not recognize our Sunday selves, and vice versa. But the Bible tells us that those who fear God, love God, and serve God must live an integrated life. The word integrated means with all parts seamlessly conjoined and coordinated. It comes from the same Latin root word as integrity, the Latin word integer, meaning whole. If we have integrity, if we live our lives fully integrated, then we are whole. There are no compartments in our lives. All aspects of our lives fit together perfectly and seamlessly. That's just a couple of pages from Dr. Michael Youssef's book, Hope for This Present Crisis, The Seven-Step Path to Restoring a World Gone Mad, and that little excerpt from the chapter entitled, Revitalize the Family. Get yourself in for that at WFIL.com. A couple of special guests on the program today, including John Brazier, Director of Fun and Games with the Phillies. He joins us every now and again, usually a few times per season to kind of keep us up on what's going down at the ballpark, including the upcoming Alumni Weekend. Plus, next season's trip to London. Phillies will be playing there a couple of games in the summer. Speaking of Europe, our other guest today on the program, Miles Gray, host of a podcast called Outlaws, The Good Thief, which chronicles a modern-day Robin Hood in Greece. His name is Vasilis Paliakostas. I think I said that properly. We'll talk with uh, Miles about that and, you know, have a little culture in this show. We can do that every now and again, just like with Now That's Punny, <clears throat> which we cap off the program with today. It's all happening on the Tim DeMoss Show on WFIL. 
Before I get to that, just a quick note. It's MyPillow's 20-year anniversary. They have sold over 80 million MyPillows in that time, which is unbelievable. And Mike Lindell would like to say thank you by giving you the lowest price in history on their MyPillows. Mike is celebrating by discounting everything. From $69.98 for the queen-size MyPillow to $19.98. Yeah, $19.98, that's it. For a queen-size MyPillow, normally $69.98. Just $10 more for a king-size. Nice and simple. There's even a 60-day money-back guarantee, so you have nothing to lose. And the uh, pillow them, pillows themselves come with a 10-year warranty, so you know it's going to last. A couple ways to take advantage of this. You can go to MyPillow.com, click the radio podcast square, or 800-892-6405, 800-892-6405. Either way, make sure you use the promo code TIM, nice and simple, T-I-M, to get that 1998 deal for a queen-size MyPillow, normally $69.98. If you want a king-size, it's just $10 more. Again, go to MyPillow.com or 800-892-6405. Use promo code TIM. You're listening to the Tim DeMoss Show, AM 560, WFIL.com, and on the WFIL app. Have a guest you'd like to hear on the Tim DeMoss Show on AM 560, WFIL? Email D at WFIL.com. AM 560 WFIL. It's the Tim DeMoss Show. Glad to bring on board longtime friend John Brazier, director of fun and games with the Philadelphia Phillies. John, how you doing, man? Timmy D, how you doing? It's great to hear your voice again. It's been a little while. Lots going on in Philly land. Starting with... Uh, uh, it's <laughs> yeah. a lot of stuff going on. It's been, uh, it's been a fun season so far. You know, we're right in the middle of the, uh, of the playoff hunt. Right. Uh, right now. So it can't be more exciting. If you, if you had told me that, you know, here we third week in or whatever we'd be in july yeah then uh and we're in the thick of it that's all you can ask for yeah you know my first year i think covering the team was 97 june of 97 and yours was a couple years prior to that i'm thinking early 94 i started in february 94 so i started took a job um with the phillies i was in the insurance industry i think i've told this story before on, on the air met somebody at a wedding next thing you know i Switch careers and uh, everything was great for the first five months, and then uh, that's when baseball went on strike. <laughs> right. So, uh, and then you know I had to battle the aftermath of that, and the, then our team wasn't very good, and it really wasn't until I guess in the 2000s when we started making our climb, which eventually culminated in a uh, World Series in 2008. That's right. I remember in, in, in 97, that June of 97, I'm wearing my orange day pass press pass sticker and we were four and 20 that month and jerry spradlin was coming in every other night to close out whatever had happened that day and all terry francona would say after the game was we're just trying to get better that's that's he was trying to be really focused but so you see those foundational things because francona goes on to win a couple world series with the red sox almost another one with cleveland and then scott Rowland, of course hall of famer uh, had his foundational years in Philadelphia, too. So you got to know Scott over those years, I'm guessing. Yes. Well, Scott and I were, were pretty close back then. Uh, we were close somewhat in, in age. Um, and we were both, uh, I think we bonded on music. So I remember we went to a bunch of concerts uh, back in the day, and he would he would go see anything. So we would I took him to, I think, almost every venue wow. uh, that was in Philadelphia back then, Electric Factory and small ones, big ones, uh, and seeing a lot of different genres of bands. So, uh, and then, 
Yeah, and we had a great uh, relationship, and I think I told you we are. We even went to Greece together. We uh, after the t- 1997 season, we went over. My father had passed away uh, that year, and I wanted to kind of get away. And then he asked towards the end, you know, do you mind if I come? And obviously, I didn't. I was just going to go by myself. So we went around, and the the best part was he had. This is before cell phones, and he was calling home on a payphone, you know, whenever, whatever island we were on. And by the time we got to Santorini, he hadn't called home in a bunch of days. And, and uh, he found out in that phone call, after not calling home for four days, that he won the gold glove. And this is only his second year. Wow. And he came back to the hotel and said, I just won the gold glove. I said, when did they make the announcement? He said, four days ago. And, and I'm thinking, like, the ra- all the radio stations are trying to call me. Right. And they, I didn't tell anybody I was going to Greece. Everyone's trying to find out where he is and nobody knows. They finally they called it. They called his teammates. They called the coaches. They called the agent and they finally called the parents. They go, oh, he's in Greece. Great. Where is he in Greece? I don't know. How do we get a hold of him? <laughs> we have to wait till he calls in. So, yeah, it was kind of a funny moment as the Philadelphia media are scrambling trying to find, you know, the first positive news, you know, in Philadelphia, in Phillies right. uh, for a long time. So that's yeah, a was, great story. I don't think I've heard that. Have you told it on the, uh, the, the backstage podcast you did? with Tom Burgoyne? Oh, yes. Um, I think we did. Yeah. We, in fact, we just, I think we just told it because we, our last backstage, it's with uh, Dave Shaw, who's the UK Twitter guy who has a podcast. Of, he's, he's, I think he's the most followed Twitter, European Twitter guy for any team uh, in all four sports. Huh. Um, and we interviewed him We and we talked about uh, the, the fact that we're playing in England next year. And then we talked about, then Tom and I talked about our international stories. And I think that was one of them. That's very interesting. And the title of that officially, Backstage with... Burgoyne and Embrasure. Embrasure. Yep. Right. And folks can get that. Can they get that on the Philly site or just in a Yeah, you can go on Phillies under the. You've got to have to go under video under Phillies. Okay. Um, but you can also get it on anywhere you get your podcast. And that's how kind of whenever you can, or do you have actual rhythm to uh, it? We do it every two weeks. Okay. Uh, every two weeks. So that's great. Uh, that's still going. And then we're going to, it looks like on Monday, we're going to interview Taryn Hatcher. Okay. Uh, who's the um, you know sideline reporter for us now. Yeah. And so, and folks just tuning in, John Brazier hanging out with us a little bit today at the Tim DeMoss Show, WFL Philly. Philadelphia. John and I have known each other for 25 plus years now. Uh, John used to come into the station when the Phillies were, you know, losing a lot of games in the late 90s and early 00s before things got uh, turned northward, so to speak. And um, my first year covering the team was 97 with Scott Rowland as I think it's his second year player. That's a great story. Did you get to know? Of course, Scott now a Hall of Famer. Did you? Uh, something that people might not know about Scott, just in terms of his something positive about his personality and all that, or, or what you got to see as a day to day kind of thing. Well, I think he was very unassuming. I remember like when we did charity appearances, he wanted to go on his own and not and basically not tell the media. He wanted to basically just kind of do it on his own. He mm-hmm. didn't want the glory, he didn't want the attention, he just but he wanted to do it. One of the really good stories that uh actually if you go on MLB.com, there's a guy Vinci, who wrote recently wrote an article about Scott about how he befriended a a young boy named Tyler uh, I think his name was Tyler Frenzel he was nine years old and he had leukemia and I guess Scott got the contact through somebody from Indiana that he knew and next you know he invited this kid over to to the ballpark and and he got so moved by this kid by his personality by his uh, positivity that he kept visiting him and next thing you know he inspired Scott to start a charity which still goes on to this day that helps a lot of kids, mostly kids with cancer, and it became such a big part that he invited the, the family. Uh, he Unfortunately, the child passed away, yeah. and Scott still has a soft spot in his heart, and he uh, the family is going to be in the first row with him uh, you know, during the induction. Wow. 
That's very interesting. Well, you know, and on that note, just as a fun thing for you, Mike Schmidt joined me on the show a few years ago, and I was on the Zoom call with Scott when he was talking to the media about the uh, induction at the Hall of Famer, you know, at the, to the appearance, working on a speech. They both said something the same about playing multiple sports. I shared this on my show uh, recently, but Schmidt said he loved playing all four sports, and he actually couldn't wait to get to the next one. Compared to nowadays, you could play one sport year-round. But he said all those sports did things for him that, like, the crossover dribble in basketball would help him go left to right as a third baseman, sure. right? And Roland said it in a slightly different way. He said, like, the move, he said the movement helps you here. A pl- application of force of your body a certain direction also comes into play. So it was, it was interesting that both of them, as, you know, the greatest third baseman in Philly's history, really, the, the couple of them there, certainly Schmidt and, uh, and Roland high up on the list, Knowing that it's saying the same thing, you know, the generation apart, but they but both appreciate the multi, multiple sport thing. So. Well, we got Scott in the second round, I believe, and he would have easily been a first rounder. But a lot of people thought he was going to go to Georgia to play basketball. He was a phenomenal basketball player. He got recruited by Kentucky from other teams, but he but Georgia was the one he was going to you know lock in on. And again, he he lasted to us because again, a lot of people thought he was going to go play basketball. Wow! So we we were lucky, and I think he might have been uh, Mr. Basketball in Indiana and just phenomenal athlete. And I totally agree with him. I played three sports. I played soccer, ice hockey, and lacrosse. And I guarantee every, you know, one from a social point of view is great because you got, you know, a circle of friends in different sports. But, right. the, but the other thing too is you do carry over traits from one and then apply that to the next sport. So I think I was a better hockey player because of my lacrosse skills and I was a better soccer player because of my lacrosse skill or hockey skills. And yeah. Vice versa. So I just, and, and I, I just think it's, it's good for kids to do that. Now I know everything's becoming so specialized and kids, you know, parents are pushing their kids to play one sport because they're thinking about scholarships and, you know, maybe even pro career. But it's just, I think kids should be kids. And if your kid's that good, then sure. But yeah. uh, I just think they're missing out if they're, if they're not playing other sports. Yeah, that's a great point. You know, the fun fun thing, too, you know, I did a lot of DJ work for the Phillies, and including Jimmy Rollins when he was in town. And his, I met his mom at a charity event one time, and she told me she didn't let him play ball till he was 13 because she didn't want him to burn out. Conversely, my son played in Cooperstown, speaking of which, as part of a Little League tournament. I mean, a tournament that they have there every week. A hundred teams go to Cooperstown every week. And one year we were 5-0, and coming from Upper Dublin. But then Team D Marini from California smoked us like 21-4. to And, you know, all the kids are homeschooled. I've talked to the parents. They all play ball four hours a day. And I talked to a couple of folks over at the Phillies who said, you know, that's great, but probably none of those kids will ever make the majors. They're burning out way too fast, way too much. Right. So interesting. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, when, when sports become a job, then it's not a sport anymore. It should be fun. And, and again, there's a lot of other more social aspects to it too, for playing sports. So it's, uh, you know, I, you know, we encourage my daughter to, to play different sports, which she does. So. Yeah. We just tuned in. John Brazier's with us for a little bit here, director of fun and games for the Philadelphia Phillies. Been with them for several decades now. And speaking of which, you kind of get to marry the fact that you've been an athlete, uh, but also the, the social aspect because you're doing all the public relations and engaging the, the fans. The, the alumni weekend certainly a big deal. Just uh, take a moment and share about what's in store for that for the fans that weekend. Well, the weekend's going to be great. It's 11th, 12th, and 13th. Uh, 11th is the Wall of Fame night, um, and that's going to be John Quinn, um, who is the architect, the GM for a long time in the 60s, early 70s, and he uh, was the architect that basically, well, he's the one that made the 
great trade for Steve Carlton. Yeah. But he's the one who, you know, is also responsible for the signing of, of Schmidt and Boa and Lazinski and, and, and that whole nucleus. So, yeah. And then also Ruley Carpenter, who is a great guy, one of the, you know, beloved uh, former owner of the Phillies that got out you know, once he saw uh, in the early 80s, once he saw that the uh, money was getting to be astronomical. Right. But Ruley was just absolutely tremendous guy. Well deserved for Ruley. And then Scott Rowland obviously is the third. Now, Scott uh, has a daughter who's going to be going to college, and I think she's moving in that weekend. So Scott is going to be coming in on the 22nd. Okay. And that's where we're going to be honoring Scott on the on September 22nd. So he'll be part of the ceremony, you know, on that Saturday. Part two. Um, yeah, okay. Uh, but he will have something a little more intimate for uh, for September 22nd, and he'll have some former players coming in, and it should be a lot of fun. Yeah, really. Carpenter, of course, was the, uh, I guess he owned the team for the, the decade when I was a little kid, watching the Phillies make the playoffs every year and lose to the Reds or the Dodgers, but finally got over the top in 1980, and uh, and I think he sold after the 81 season. They were still still a very good team, but like you said, and probably very smart. I, I read somewhere he sold the team for 30, 35 million dollars, which is like a one year contract for some players. Right. Now. So that's right. quite a thing. Yeah, and then on that Sunday we're going to be honoring two two teams okay. because we have the 30th anniversary of the 1993 team, and then we have the 40th anniversary of the 1983, the Wee's Kids. Yeah, so it'll be fun to see uh, a lot of guys from both teams come in. Alumni Weekend is always fun for all of us because you know we worked with all these guys, so it's good to see faces that we see all the time, and then great to see faces we hardly ever see, and some that we've. I still haven't met. You know, the, I think the only guy in the 93 team I haven't met is. Uh, or I haven't met as I've met during the season or when he was on the team, but Pete and Cavilli I haven't seen. I'm not sure if he's coming in, but I know Thank we have you. a lot of guys coming in from all over. The, and, and for the fan, they'll see ceremonies on the field and special stuff. Is there any chance there'll be some like the little pods here or there where they can get an autograph or interact in some way, like on the concourse? Uh, or? We're, we're still planning that all out. Okay. Uh, we've got some, you know, we, we don't have any set programs like that, but I'm sure there'll be there'll be instances where uh, fans will be surprised. Okay, that sounds the, good. Some of the players around. And you and you mentioned earlier, I'll let you get back to your day, but you also mentioned earlier about uh, next season because the schedule came out recently for 2024, including London and opening up with the Braves. So your job is a 12-month-a-year job. Uh, and so, uh, you know, I'm sure you're while your eye is on Alumni Weekend and Roland Hall of Fame and the, the his appearance on the 22nd in Philly in September, you still have to be thinking about next year. So any quick thought about, you know, the 2024 schedule that's come out and what what that means for your work and for the fans? Well, first of all, I got to say, I am really excited. There was a rumor early in the year, and then obviously as it got closer for the announcement, we knew about it. And I can't tell you enough how excited I am for the London series. I know that we had a couple people that went to the Cardinals Cubs series. And again, that interview we did with Dave Shaw, who's the UK Twitter guy, he was telling us all about the events and it's going to be so much fun. I mean, I, I went to the uh, games where the Eagles, you know, when the Eagles played the Jaguars over in London yeah. and that was absolutely, there was Eagles fans everywhere. And I expect the same thing is going to be with Phillies fans. Obviously all the sports we travel well, but uh, that 8th and 9th, June 8th and 9th in London, we're going to play where West Ham plays Olympic Stadium, so it's east of London. Okay. Um, and it's going to be, I, I can't tell you how much fun it's going to be. So, and not sure, we're still, we're in the just very beginning stages of planning everything, but I guarantee it'll almost be like the All-Star Game where there'll be all kinds of, you know, I'm sure there'll be kind of a fan fest of alumni out there. There'll be a really big, uh, great time in London. So for that, uh, yes, yeah, the, you go ahead, the Braves and yeah, other things, sure. 
Well, yeah, and then we started, you know, we started March next year. March 28th is our first game against the Braves, right. as you mentioned. So now that the schedule's a little different where we're playing all the teams, you know, the American League teams will be playing either on the home or on the home or on the road. So you're going to see some teams we haven't seen in a long time. The Rangers will be coming in, the White Sox. I think we have think the Blue Jays see, are in too. Yep, we got the Guardians. We got the Yankees back. The Yankees are going to be playing uh, end of July, then the 29th, 30th, and 31st. Okay. Again, we got Cleveland in as well, and Astros. We got to get a little payback on the Astros years later, <laughs> yeah. uh, and then we got the and we have the Rays coming in as well. So, uh, should be a fun slate of games, and should be a great season. Okay, and tickets in general. When do they tend to become available uh, for next season? Uh, we start certain plans in November. Okay. So, but be on the lookout, phillies.com. Uh, we'll have all your information. But usually in November, sometime we start certain plans that'll be rolled out. Okay. That's great. Well, it's great chat with you, John. Covered a lot of ground, and it's always oh, great to hear your voice and, and catch up on what's happening in, with the Phils and, uh, and the perspective you, you add to things. So, thank you for taking time, and hope to see you at the ballpark before long. All right. Sounds good. Thanks, Timmy D. Thanks, John. It's John Brazier, Director of Fun and Games, the Philadelphia Phillies. You're listening to the Tim DeMoss Show, AM 560, WFIL.com, and on the WFIL app. It's the Tim DeMoss Show podcast, available at WFIL.com. Thanks for listening. AM 560, WFIL.com, and on the app, you're listening to the Tim DeMoss Show. Thanks for tuning in. Bringing on board Miles Gray. He's from L.A. He has an encyclopedic knowledge of 90s media and also has been producing, writing, and directing award-winning digital content for companies like YouTube. And he has this new podcast out called Outlaws, The Good Thief. Hey, Miles, how's it going? I'm doing well, Tim. How are you? Great. Thanks for uh, taking time to chat about Outlaws, The Good Thief. I uh, got drawn into it when I first saw that it was... Uh, has a Greek context because I'm Greek, as is my producer, Greek American. So, and of course, the story uh, I think draws a lot of folks in just on the surface. So, tell us, tell us some backstory. How did it come about? What drew you into creating this? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I've been working in podcasting for a while, and I uh, got the opportunity to work on a show like this, uh, talking about this guy Vasilis Paliokostas. Uh, I've been told my Greek pronunciation has been pretty good for yeah. our Greek counter over there yes um and you know this guy is basically considered greece's modern day robin hood he had this 20 year span of robbing kidnapping all through nonviolence. like was not harming people was never killing anyone or anything like that and giving you know money away to the people that he grew up with in this mountainous region of greece people there are very poor and that was his way of just kind of i think writing the scales as he saw it because he saw a lot of corruption happening in greece at the time and he felt that this was a way to, to take action, but do it in a way that was very philosophically grounded in this idea of that he wanted to be like a moral thief if there was such a thing. And I think that's what's kind of interesting about the show is we kind of wrestle with these concepts of saying, like, who is stealing from who and, and what has the biggest impact? And I think that's what really makes it for really entertaining listening, not just, you know, not just like the heists and things like that. Yeah, the, and of course, it's, as the title implies, good and thief are not usually words you have in the same sentence, uh, unless there's a not. No. <laughs> so I think the phrase gentleman burglar came up in one of the episodes, and the emphasis that there's not bloodshed. And then think at one point he said he went to rob a bank, and he didn't. there wasn't enough room in the bags. He's like, I, that's enough. Like, I don't need all of it. 
like, yeah, exactly. They're like, what, yeah, I mean, at one point in one of the heists, you know, the bank teller was actually pretty nervous because the bank, the bag filled up and they're just like, no, we're not. They said, you know, we're not greedy. Just, <laughs> yeah, that's fine. We'll take that. And then they went on their way. And I think that's what's kind of really interesting. There's all these stories about them of how they were paying for people's educations with the money that they that they were taking or you know, if they needed a tractor or some kind of like work vehicle or truck or something to, to pull off a heist or a prison break, they would bring that tractor back to the owner, you know, like while they weren't like when they, you know, maybe were sleeping, filled with fresh hay with some money on the seat and a note that says, hey, we gassed it up. Sorry to inconvenience you, but here it is back in one piece. Yeah. You know, it, it's also as I was listening to the episodes that, that have come out so far. Obviously, you have to have a team of people to put this together, including the language barrier or the challenge there, whatever it is. So just share about the, the team of people, a couple of the key folks, perhaps, that make this all possible also. Yeah. So this is obviously a, a partnership with a team here in, uh, in the U.S. between iHeart and Kaleidoscope, the production company. And then we work, we have partners at the Greek Podcast Project in Athens. So we work with uh, this woman, Daphne Carnesis, Christina Piglioni, and like many other really talented journalists there, um, as well as some some people here in the U.S. like Mangesh Atikadur. And our Greek counterparts are really amazing. I mean, they obviously knew the story because most people in Greece at the time, like there's no way you could have not heard of this guy. Yeah. But the way that they really chased down every single lead and, you know, really left no stone unturned really helped us to to really put this story together and eventually you know at by the end we we get to a place where we think we may be able to find where he is and i won't give much more than that yeah yeah it's a really amazing collaboration between the two what i find interesting also because the episodes are still coming out how many will there be uh by the end Uh, it's an eight-part series okay so i'm i'm viewing like the work you do because in general you do digital content and like you're writing produce i i think of you maybe just i don't know you but that you uh, less investigative journalism, but maybe that's what you do do, or this one at least seems like that. Uh, is that yeah, correct? No, so, no, I'm actually not an investigative journalist. Yeah, I'm a you know podcaster by trade, uh, but I've worked in you know writing and producing, directing for a number of years. Yeah, and this was sort of a thing where I I'm, I get to do the fun bits about you know narrating it and hosting it but the real real nitty-gritty work has been done by our writers and producers and these these journalists in greece they're they're chasing down all the leads and i get the benefit of being like okay so what are we, what are we working with this week yeah i'm merely the vessel uh, to help tell the story but along the way obviously i've learned so much and become just so invested in the story sure we chat with miles gray host of the podcast outlaws the good thief on the tim demoss show WFIL Philadelphia. I was curious, like, if you're going into this, wondering if there will be a story or an endpoint or somewhere you know where to go, but it, but it actually kind of was already known so that you could begin this project knowing there is an end game, as opposed to, well, it was interesting, but then we, nobody, like, it petered out because we ran out of leads or we ran out of people to talk to. Yeah, I mean, the, the thing, obviously, like, his story sort of officially ends 14 years ago when he busts out of the Greek equivalent of Alcatraz right. by helicopter. That's the last time anyone has seen him in any official capacity. And so we knew, okay, so we know that's sort of the end point. But then for us, not just not only do we want to tell his backstory and the things that, that he had done along the way, we also want to figure out, like, where, like, so what's happening between 2009 and now? Where right. could he be now? And that was sort of the, I think, the real fun part about 
just trying to begin piecing together and like gaining the trust of his like co-conspirators and things like that. Not necessarily to get them to tell us, you know, where he is, but at least to have them really give us a peek inside of what he was thinking when all of these guys were doing all these heists and, and busting out of prison. So yeah, there's, there is an end point, but I think part of the whole series is about a journey through understanding his complete story. And then again, just like wrestling with this idea of, is there such a thing as a good thief? Like, and, and who are the quote, good guys or bad guys in our society? Right. I would think that on, on the surface, like, well, you're stealing or you're kidnapping, like that's not a good thing. And at the same time, right. I think no matter who you are, sometimes these types of stories draw you in partly because I'm thinking for me, at least just the concept of a thief in general, will he get caught in the act because you only have a few minutes to pull something off, perhaps? Uh, but then the big picture, trying to escape overall or stay hidden, there's a fascination with it. But yet you have to remind yourself, like, but remember, the person did actually do some things that aren't like, – they're against the law, you know, so – Right. Yeah. And I think that's where we kind of – I think that's the appeal of Robin Hood stories because on some level we all feel as people like things could be a little bit more fair and they're not. Yeah. And I think when you see people – sort of address that in a way where they're like, yeah, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to give back to people even though I'm doing this and I'm not going to hurt them. Yeah. You really have to begin to grapple with, yeah, well then who, what, what, what are we using? What are the, what are the sort of uh, details that we need for say that is objectively a bad person who's doing bad because, you know, you see people, we see corruption around us and, and all over the world and how that affects people. Yeah. And to see somebody just say, I'm trying to do this in a way because I see the people that I've I've grown grown up around my community suffer because of corruption. Then aren't those people who are the corrupt officials? Aren't they also criminals? So, but we don't call them that. Yeah. And so I think that's what is the sort of complexity about this story, and what again I think just keeps people hooked to this story because yes, he's a he's a thief. He's robbing banks. He's he's kidnapping people. But the people he's kidnapped are like they they really. They have nice things to say about him, which is really something you don't hear often. Oh, <laughs> right, uh, right. well, they. So that's what kind of makes it, again, a sort of easier listen where you're not maybe sort of feeling as icky, like listening to it, because, you know, at the end of the day, like he's, he has a code, which is really interesting. Yeah. Miles, last question for you. Do you think it's easy to overlook the hard part about being like Vasilis uh, Palikostas? Uh, like he did spend years in prison. Like that can't be a lot of fun. And it's a lot of a lot of time, real actual time, uh, as opposed to you know just the the exciting moments, so to speak, of breaking out of prison. There's a lot of a lot of time wasted, so to speak, too. There's a sad like a sadness to it, or some kind of a. It's not as glamorous as you might think, so to speak. No, not at all. Again, but you know, choosing a life of crime definitely comes with those kinds of risks, like being in prison uh, for an extended period. And I think for him, he's sort of like this kind of philosopher thief kind of guy where even when he was in prison like he's using that time to really think about and reflect on what he wants to do or what what freedom means to him and that ends up motivating him throughout his career so every time he ends up behind bars it almost like you know he kind of goes up a level uh because he's like i'm never going to go back and even with this greek alcatraz place he broke out of he broke out of the same prison twice so that's That's how determined he was yeah to not find bars Miles, great to make your acquaintance. Thank you for taking time. Congratulations on Outlaws the Good Thief. All right. Thank you so much, Tim. Yeah, I appreciate it. You too. Take care. Bye-bye. Yeah. Miles Gray, host of the podcast Outlaws the Good Thief on the Tim DeMoss Show. And besides wishing for some avalemono soup and baklava, which I don't have handy, I at least would like to get some Greek music going to cap off our conversation. 
remembering my childhood and the Zorba the Greek album that used to be on our hi-fi back in the day. This is one we used to dance around to in the living room. Feel free to do the same if you wish. Zorba's Dance from the Zorba the Greek album. The Tim DeMoss Show and WFIL. WFIL.com and on the app, Zorba's Dance from the Zorba the Greek album on the Tim DeMoss Show. You're listening to AM560, WFIL.com and the WFIL app. Live and local, it's the Tim DeMoss Show weekday afternoons 4 till 5 on AM560, WFIL and at WFIL.com. Our podcast continues. AM560, WFIL.com, and on the app, you're listening to the Tim DeMoss Show, and time for now, that's funny! What, again? Yes! Oh, no. It's Come on, now, don't, don't <laughs> feign stress. You love this. I know you do. Uh-huh. Doug Shaw, before we get going here, I noticed uh, you know, a little snackage on your side of the console there. You did notice that, huh? Yeah, what is it, little mustard pretzels or uh, something? Honey, mustard, and onion. All right. Yep. Well, you stay on that side. I will. But the... Thud. Uh, <laughs> Stop. Doug, I got fired from the keyboard factory today. Man, another job gone. Yes, they said I wasn't putting in enough shifts. <laughs> well, just as well, there is a lot going on. In fact, the older I get, actually, I appreciate, I don't know about you, taking naps. I love naps. Yeah. Wouldn't it be great to get paid for sleeping? I, I saw an ad in the paper one time about sleep uh, studies. Yeah? they pay you for that. That would be my dream job. <laughs> Doug, why does everyone in Athens sleep till noon? Speaking Where? of which. Athens. Athens? Yeah. You mean in Greece? Why, yeah, why would they... Why would everyone... Don't get ahead of me. What the... <laughs> why does everyone in Athens... Santorini, all those places like that. Mm-hmm. Why do they sleep until noon? I don't know. Because dawn is tough on Greece. <laughs> that you're jumping in the punchline. Mm-hmm. Unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Doug, what do you call an emissary from Legoland? Uh, I don't know. Square? A duplomat. A duplomat. Yeah. You know, those are the dollars. The, 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 the uh, regular Legos times two, the bigger size. But they you. fit. They work yeah. together. Yep, yep, yep. Hey, you know what? I took a course on baking recently. Yeah. I don't like to have Man a lot of, of, the world, don't like a lot of downtime. Uh, I passed with frying crullers. <laughs> <laughs> Doug, what do you say when somebody offers you a hot dog, but you don't want it? I'll pass. The, I'll pass. No, Franks. No Franks. <laughs> it's awesome, baby! I've never said that. I love hot dogs. So do I. My wife actually used to serve hot dogs at the college cafeteria. Really? But then she got fired. You know why? Why? All she did was put her hair in a bun. Oh, put her hair in a bun. You yeah. know, I went to Coney Island last weekend. And, oh, you saw the the competition? No, no, no. A couple no, no, weekends no. ago. That was a couple weekends yeah. ago. But I figured, you know, with tolls and everything, yeah. the hot dog was 37 bucks. Wow. Yeah, yeah. You're going to hit your rim shot? Because I can't. Oh, okay. There you go, Doug. Why don't you do the pencil now? And I'll do the... <laughs> I actually got a st- job stocking condiments this week. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I was anticipating getting fired from the keyboard factory. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's at the local supermarket. At first, I was scared of the job, but I mustered up the courage to try. And now I relish the work. Keep going. Go on, spread it out. <laughs> Doug, why do scuba divers fall backwards out of the boat? To make sure the uh, tank doesn't fall off. Because if they fell forwards, they'd still be in the boat. Thank you. All right. Uh, Doug, I had an operation last week. Wow. Yeah. Busy. <laughs> Stretching the boundaries of time and space. I asked the surgeon if I could administer my own anesthetic. And he said, sure, knock yourself out. I <laughs> thought that was my best one. <laughs> Doug, what do you call a redhead who owns a bakery? Uh, sweetie? A gingerbread man. A gingerbread yes. man. Yes. <laughs> He's so taken with the pun, he can't even find a sound effect. My kids asked me the other day, Dad, why do you want to get new glasses? I said, kids, I just want to look good. Thank you. Doug, the uh, AC went out in our minivan, unfortunately, of all times. Mm -hmm. Our mechanic said he couldn't fix it. And I told him it'd be a lot cooler if he could. <laughs> Doug, I've been wearing a back brace the last few months uh, to help with my posture. <laughs> I didn't think it would work, but I stand corrected. <laughs> my friend Clem has been a human cannonball for years. <laughs> Clem the cannonball. But he got let go from uh, the circus last week right as they lit the fuse to the cannon. Wow. He was fired on the spot. Clean, Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. Doug, you know, I'm skeptical whenever someone says they do yoga every single day. That seems a bit of a stretch that to me. That seems a bit of a stretch yeah. every day. <laughs> Speaking of which, we had a couple horses move in yesterday. The donkey. Yeah, whatever. They're oh. our new neighbors. What? We had a couple horses move in yesterday. They're our new neighbors. Okay. Neighbors. Nay. Neighbors. <laughs> and that'll do it for now. That's funny, Doug. Thanks, funny. Yeah. That lady needs help. That's easier. All right. Well, thanks for uh, helping today. Hey, my pleasure. Have a fine weekend. You too. Might as well. Have a million dollar weekend. WFIL. Thanks for listening to the Tim DeMoss Show podcast. Feel free to tune in to the full show each weekday afternoon from 4 till 5 on AM 560 WFIL and at WFIL.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.